Welcome to Jurassic World. Guests, welcome to the Jurassic World Minutes where we visit Jurassic World one minute at a time. Visit our world class massage parlors to ease that tension and sore feet. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 8 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, uh, this minute and the next minute we get to feature heavily inside the, uh, the Hammer and Creation Lab. And I've got a link here to some uh, Google images of uh, the interior of the lab, the, uh, the uh, blanking. Um, incubation chambers <laughs> for the eggs um, and all that sort of stuff and I was just going to have a little bit of discussion here so we don't have to do it during a minute of we know the Jurassic Park lab itself was something for the tourists I wonder if they've done a good job of showing us what a real lab would be here um, or if it's just a much larger sort of tourist attraction at this point we can see there's incubators here with eggs. Um, there's one photo here at Incubator. It's got the baby parasol office in it, which is heavily featured in the uh, Jurassic World exhibit. That uh, I think it's in Russia now. After a couple of weeks ago, I asked if it's still touring. I think it's over in Russia or Europe somewhere. So, But, yeah, the lab itself, I, it just seems like something, again, for the tourists, especially when you've got people here doing... Uh, testing DNA, DNA sequ sequencing and all that right next to where the eggs are being incubated. It kind of does, but at the same time, it still feels more real in a way than I guess you'd say the original did. Because Wu still has his office there, and you can see clearly that he does is doing R&D on his computer and all his stuff that he has in his private office under lock and under, yeah, basically lock and key. Yeah. And so it's interesting because I think it's kind of both. It's got a kind of theme where it's for the, it's open for the tourists to see, but they are actually doing some level of work there. You know? Yeah, I think the big big difference here too is the fact that earlier, even seeing sauna and the the mass industrialization of the uh, the production and that, mm -hmm. they've got a f pretty much fully uh, fully sourced or populated park they're not this is more so just sort of keeping numbers up and research as you said it's not having to get mm -hmm. populate a park so um, that's why there's there's one one or one incubator here with probably two or three different species of eggs looking at the sizes mm -hmm. well that that's the other thing is that to keep in mind that Isla Sorna when that was in production that was over at that was over what 20 years ago by this point mm. and so 
I'm sure that the the technology technology to clone these animals has far far evolved, and it's just not. They're not basically. It's not the big clunky big box computer anymore. It's the nice flat screen with the cutting edge pixels in it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because one of the other things too, I noticed, um, especially a lot of the uh, the scientists doing the, the uh, DNA sort of stuff got the rubber mm-hmm. gloves on but no no beard nets no hair nets <laughs> all that sort of thing i remember in i'm pretty sure in jurassic park when we see the uh when they're first putting the eggs in the incubator some of the people there are wearing the full the full like your painter's coats and that the f- yeah yeah i was gonna say they're wearing like that a whole kind of hazmat outfit in a way and it <laughs> it's almost worse than how people are with um <laughs> corona with covid19 right now <laughs> And it's just funny because I remember in the novel, everybody kind of has to like suit up with hair nets and gloves, and at least because it's considered a clean room, mm. and they don't want anybody infecting the room. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that versus in the movie they just go through the exit door at the end of the ride into the into the lab, and there's woo erasing something and then brushing the. Pencil uh, <laughs> research shavings onto the floor. Like, uh, is there no level of cleanliness here? That's a very good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm just looking for some of these photos again. <laughs> yeah, so I reckon there's a lot of bit of research going on here. Yeah, I suppose we could also mention the the amber wall here since we get some shots of it in the background while mm. they're walking through the lab here too. Maybe prize yeah, prize possession, something they've got, T Rex or Raptor or some of their more popular animals from, and it's there as a future bank, or it's just there as a decoration mm-hmm. piece. Well, that's what I that's what I think where the like the touristy comes in. It's more that's like a just something for the tourist to kind of look important where it not really is because it's they actually have this wall, or at least either they claim it's to be it's the original piece from the movie, but. For all we know, it could just be a replica. And they got all the labels on there, the origin and the um, uh, the origin of the and the age of the amber. And it's basically just shined up heat blocks of amber with an insect in it. Again, it could just be for show for from the um, the uh, exhibition and not actually be from the movie. Yeah, but like I said, if that's what it's meant to be in the movie, and if we're be- to believe that this is what it's supposed to be in the movie, then it's basically a decoration piece. Yeah, but yeah, I reckon it'd have to be a segment because the one on the tour here anyway was nowhere near as long. This is pretty much the whole wall. Um, yeah, but there is there is one photo here where they you got some of the scientists sitting down. And there's there's three of those robotic arms drilling into the amber here, and mm-hmm. and and specimens on the table. So they are still extracting or testing and extracting DNA from uh, the amber here as well. Mm-hmm. Again, just uh, there'll be a lot of that trial and error of just... It's, it's probably it's probably amazing that they managed to get so many different species for that original park. Mm-hmm. It's also somewhere some of the science fiction comes in is that, like, for example, if you wanted more Cretaceous-era um, dinosaur DNA, you'd dig for amber in mud pits in New Jersey, not the Dominican Republic. <laughs> and in the book, in fact, I think ha- uh, Hammond was specifically looking for amber spots in certain parts of the world, looking to get DNA from 
certain species, such as, um, like, say, he fund dig sites in Montana looking for T-Rex and Triceratops, and then he'd fund other ones in Europe looking for, um, say, Allosaurus. I mean, that was, I know that wasn't on the list in the books, but yeah. Hmm. And so it's kind of interesting that they would then use that origin from where the DNA came from and from the age in their from their amber to kind of make a guesswork at what kind of dinosaurs they were going to be getting out of their DNA, you know? Yeah, yeah. One photo here, too, of um, the steps, extraction, sequencing, assembly, hatchery, and nursery. Yeah. I know we get the petting zoo later, but how do we still not have any... I suppose well, we got the infant raptor. Even <laughs> some sort of some sort of scene reminiscing of that infant raptor like we got with Tim in the mm-hmm. original film. Yeah. I think that's interesting because... Basically, they're in the book. They're kind of cre- treated as Claire treats them here, as just an expensive kind of like, like you like if somebody was manhandling a very precious gem in a jewelry store. I mean, they they watch out touching it. Don't want with the cloth gloves and keeping it close to your body. Make sure you don't drop it. Mm. And that's basically the attitude they had with the dinosaurs in the nursery in the book. It's basically. These are very, very expensive creations, and Dr. Grant, please stop poking and prodding at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose one last thing here, too, with the incubators themselves, that one thing they've never really done from the book is just showing, like, here they got the heat lamps on them, but not having that uh, artificial humidity um, mm-hmm. added to them, having them, having them all fogged up, and that mm. to uh, take care That's of another thing they also didn't have in the original movie, and it's kind of weird because i mean in the book it makes a lot more it makes a lot of sense to actually have that because the way eggs work is they absorb nutrients and the heat and all the stuff they need to grow from the outside through a porous egg Mm. and so the humidity is part of that you know yeah it might have been the the way the uh the room was structured because in the novels it was sort of those long table trays of eggs where the whole, the whole room was had the humidity turned up. We're here. You're inside the sealed domes. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be pumping stuff. We know from uh, some of the incubators on in Jurassic Park Three in the lab there, just all the ch- different tubes and that going to them, and even um, some concept art we've seen recently, just all the different things going to those incubators, not just uh, not just light. So yeah, they could be doing all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the uh, that is the Hammond Creation Lab. We're going to see a bit of it in these next two minutes, and uh, we're going to come back here towards the end of the film as well, which might reveal a bit more stuff, especially for Wu's lab. Let's get one thing straight. I'm in charge out here. You do everything I say exactly as I say it. Excuse me. Just relax. Just like taking a stroll through the woods. Sixty-five million years ago. Dave, ready to get into minute eight? Yeah. As we ended Minute 7 of Jurassic World, we took in the grand spectacle of the Lagoon, Main Street, and the Nubla Resort facilities. Meanwhile, riding an elevator down to meet the VIPs, Claire was rehearsing her lines. As we open on Minute 8, we get that line from the trailer, Welcome to Jurassic World. We're then cut to the Genesis Lab, as scientists are busy working on new samples as Claire starts to talk to the VIPs she's leading through the labs. 
we can see incubators full of eggs and guests at the glass windows taking in all the sights, seemingly thrilled. At the 12 second mark, Claire leads the VIPs down a corridor between the guests, saying no one's impressed by a dinosaur anymore. Even though on the screen we can clearly see that's not true. At the 26 second mark, they enter the lab, leaving the visitors behind. And Claire continues that their DNA excavators are discovering new species every year. But consumers want them bigger, louder, more teeth. But now their advances in gene splicing has opened up a whole new frontier. At the 48 second mark, as they approach the end of the lab, Claire says, so you say you want to sponsor a attraction? What do you have in mind? The investors look at each other. Then one says, we want to be thrilled. Claire smiles, and as the minute ends, says, don't we all? As we get the final moments of the elevators, Claire smiles and we get the uh, the trailer line, Welcome to Jurassic World. Um, scene one here is the visitor labs, as we just mentioned before. We get a pan through to the lab area, supposedly the real just, deal. Oh. I was going to say, just let us stop here in a, for a minute because there's something really interesting going on with Claire's hair here that I don't think a lot of people pick up on. In the... In the, um, in the if you look at Claire's hair... The way that she has it done, it's perfectly straight and perfectly framed around her face. But if you look up closer to it, you see little strands starting to break off in the humidity. <laughs> and it's kind of that edge of chaos thing that um, Malcolm goes on and on about in the novels, how one little misplaced hair can effectively cause a cascade. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because if you watch her hair, Claire's hair here through the rest of the movie – you see that it starts getting frizzier, frizzier, and messier and messier in the humidity. And it kind of all starts here with the one or two little hairs out of place. <laughs> That's a good catch. Yeah, even later when she gets to the, the Unimog drive and that, and it's just, she's, yeah, hair everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder how long did she stay in an apartment <laughs> kind of <laughs> hairspray and everything else. Like I said, you got to wash your hair because, I mean, even in the later scenes before the Indominus breaks out, you can see the humidity just starting to work at it, and you see more and more hair starting to come out of place. Yep. And it kind of becomes almost a mini analog for the park, where as things start to get messier, her hair starts to get messier. Mm-hmm. You know, from memory, the... Um, the... The, the control room set and all that was built at NASA, wasn't it? The Did set, I thought... At Florida? No, no, no. I thought I think it was the um, control room... Wait, which set? The control room itself? Yeah, or... yeah, the internal control room. I thought that was built at um, on a stage in Hollywood. I don't know. I'll, I'll just, just work out if anything was filmed in Hollywood or if they... Because we know they've done mm. Main Street and all that down at Six Flags. I'm just wondering if they filmed there locally as well for all the interior stuff somewhere. But Oh, no, no. I remember what was from the NASA. It was the Raptor. It was the Raptor thing. Oh, okay. That's all right. We'll get, we'll get to that when we get to the Raptors then. Mm. Yeah. But no, good, yeah, good catch notice. And just, well, even just the, um, even her clothes too, just hear how it's the all white, the sort of Hammond look. Um, mm-hmm. And just as the film progresses, just how much she goes from being 
well, how much he was losing control, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being total control here to at the end of the film where everything's shut and um, they're back at Costa Rica or back in that uh, hangar. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, scene one is in the lab area. We get a bit of a pan through the labs and uh, supposedly the real deal, but not to show for the tourists, as we'll mention before. Um, large incubator here with different size eggs inside. Uh, one egg being wheeled away um, in what looks like a premature baby gurney, which may have been something they altered for the filming. Um, there is a couple of photos of them in the, the earlier stuff we're talking about as well at that link to the Google stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Claire's giving dialogue here in the background as, uh, as we sort of walking through. Um, while year after year revenue continues to climb, operational costs are higher than ever. Our shareholders have been patient, but let's be honest, no one's impressed by dinosaurs anymore. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, cut, we cut to Claire leading the VIPs through the glass hallway as kids are stuck to the glass like glue, <laughs> trying to see the eggs and all the stuff inside it. Well, that's exactly. I mean, people are so impressed by the answer. I mean, she's telling these. I mean, I suppose yeah, she's telling an investor to invest in this new created dinosaur. But at the same time, I mean, kids are still, even adults are still impressed with dinosaurs. Museums all over the world make make tons of money every day with just the skeletons. Yeah. I mean, imagine a live, living dinosaur. You could ride a triceratops at this place. Are they seriously <laughs> going to say that they're not making money off of that? Yeah. Well, it gets worse here, too, because the next line is, uh, 20 years ago, de-extinction was right up there with magic. These days, kids look at a stegosaurus like an elephant at the city zoo. She's telling the investors this stuff as they're walking through a hallway of kids screaming and yelling and looking. And this this is just the lab. This isn't even mm-hmm. out. We're going to get to that petting zoo later and just the excitement on kids' faces and uh, everything else. And kids love zoos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We have two very popular zoos here in Chicago, one of them free, one of them not. Both probably are are jam-packed on a normal summer day. Of course, not this summer day, but on a normal summer day, they would be jam-packed full of kids, uh, um, missionary, not missionary groups, um, summer camp groups. I mean, people love zoos. Mm-hmm. It's still a thing people like. They go have lunch at the zoo, look at the animals, go through the monkey house. You know, I mean, it's weird to say this to an investor when he can look around with his own eyes and see that it's just a sales point. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's sort of, it's a theme they wanted to push um, with the whole reason we're doing the Indominus. The, the park's been open for 10 years. Um, as you said, revenue's up, so they're still making money, but it's just mm-hmm. the um, the operational costs, which I'm guessing um, feeding the animals, all that sort of stuff's getting more mm-hmm. expensive. And, mm-hmm. and even, even 10 years into it, maintenance, I'd imagine, would start to be getting expensive as well. Um, just a lot of the new stuff's not no longer new, except for the vehicle fleet, which we'll get to later. But um, and even even we get sort of okay, maybe the kids are excited by it, but parents are or adults are bored and teenagers are bored. We've got the character of Zach here that is always looking at girls and never really excited for the animals themselves. But we do get that one shot later with the Mosasaur feeding show where he gets wet and he's genuinely laughs and has a good time with his brother. So. Mm-hmm. There is some. But then again, I mean, like like we've talked about before, he's being he's trying to be the the mopey teenager, and 
almost I mean he's trying to not enjoy himself even though he's clearly enjoying himself yeah you know? yeah yeah and it's sort of it's a weird one we'll get there later with the T-Rex kingdom the fact that the T-Rex is there eating the goat grazing side but he's turned around talking to his mum on the phone so mm-hmm. although well, like, everybody else behind him is chanting T-Rex T-Rex yeah yeah but also he knows he knows the reason they're there and what's going on at home as well which we yeah. get later as well so um and we don't know how often the feeding show is it's probably the second or third time they've seen it <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just back with them but um they uh, they enter a different part of the lab away from the guests here, and this is sort of looks like more of the DNA sequencing and that we got all the pa- uh, panels on the wall showing all that sort of stuff. And uh, she continues asset development is um, it doesn't mean that asset development is falling behind. Our DNA extractors or excavators are discovering new species every year. Consumers want them bigger, louder, more teeth, and that's when the uh, the infrared investors sort of look at each other, which. Uh, is exactly what they want to hear. Really, they want to um, more teeth. More teeth's never a good, <laughs> never a good, <laughs> good way to go. But uh, the good news is our advances in gene splicing have opened up a whole new frontier. We've learnt more about genetics in the past year than a century of digging up bones. So it sounds like uh, even though they're finding all the DNA, it's um, mm-hmm. it's probably more of the same of what they've already got, and now they're looking at uh, more of that hybridization. Well, it's also interesting probably because it's true. I mean, there's only so much you can learn from bones. Mm. And the main point of Jurassic Park, even going back as far as the first book, is that when they cloned these animals, they not only cloned their, um, their basically their essence, but their instincts as well. And so they're working off, they just go, they just plop them in place and they go back to what they were doing 65 million years ago. And I think it's interesting that a lot of people and this is going to be a little bit of a tangent here, but a lot of people like to use the Dilophosaurus as a excuse. Well, no, none of the dinosaurs are accurate, even back in 1993. But the Dilophosaurus spitting poison was always meant to be Crichton's way of saying, well, you created these things, but you really don't know anything about them because paleontology hasn't been able to tell you everything that there is going on with these animals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and well, this tangent's going to continue. To be, we made, we mentioned in Jurassic Park three with uh, Grant and the the future of paleontology at that point, and again here, um, at this point, if they're um if they've learnt everything they can from rock and bone, you'd think it'd be more so sort of the the Sarah Hardings the the behaviour and all that sort of stuff, and more learning about the way of life of the animals, and not so much the animals themselves through mm-hmm. paleontology. Um, again, I hope there's some reference to it or some discussion about it in Dominion and not mm-hmm. just, uh, oh, Dr. Grant's back in Montana and Ellie's with him or whatever else, which um, it's going to happen. I'm, I don't, I'm not looking forward to when it happens, but it's going to be something stupid like that. But... Plus, you'd have to... Uh, learning in the last century of digging up bones, surely it'd be only the last probably 20... 25 or 30 years where the bigger breakthroughs have been because you think sort of the early 19th century and all the way up to probably the 50s and that where bones have probably just been dug up misassembled put in storage um all sort that sort of thing it probably wouldn't be until the genetics and all that sort of dna stuff come into it where they could sort of look look a bit deeper Mm -hmm. into the bones themselves and whatever materials there and all that sort of stuff 
But we arrive at the end of the room and the monitors on the wall show different sort of DNA sequences and all that sort of stuff um, of different animals or if we see in a minute she spins and it says Spinosaur, so uh, Spinosaur, that'd be fun, uh, Indominus Rex, so maybe this is sort of all the um, information already pre-put there by someone that she can show them to uh, sell the uh, Indominus structure but um, or the attraction. But she says, oh, so when you say you want to sponsor an attraction, what do you have in mind? And after a moment of uh, the two men and the woman looking at each other, he, uh, one of the guys says he wants to be thrilled. And then does the minute end, Claire, uh, Claire just smirks and says, don't we all? So she's uh, she's got them there for the Indominus. Get that attraction built, get it paid for, and uh, start making more money. Um, anything else on that you want to bring up before we get to the novel? No, I think we're good. All right. Briefly over the novel, uh, a lot of dialogue's the same in the book with uh, Claire's walk and talk here. But uh, as they pass the lab, there's a baby apatosaur hatching. And uh, after just saying the kids look at it like a stegosaur, <laughs> like an elephant in the zoo, the kids are pressed up against the glass, watching with excitement, seeing um, and being fascinated by the new uh, born dinosaur, which, mm-hmm. again, would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to have seen that as well, especially, I mean, as they kind of perfect animatronic moment stuff right there where you see I mean it doesn't even have to be that that um that it that I'm trying to sorry that advanced. <laughs> it just basically you could just have a guy under the table with a string and when he lets go of the string the head to the head pops up out of the egg, you know? Yeah, yep. Well again back to those early photos, those two baby parasol office in one of the incubators, that that being on the uh Jurassic Park, the expedition tour. It, mm-hmm. Seeing the kids run up to that and looking and thinking it's real. Um, mm-hmm. And I even it's a bit hard with the... Because uh, the one there is um, the actual dome's amber-tinted. It hasn't got the amber light in it, so it's a bit hard to see mm-hmm. through um, as well. So it's sort of just looking to see if they're just a moulded piece of plastic or if they're actually latex and had any ability to move. Um it was really hard to tell, but and yeah, I do have that. Um, I do have a photo of those two Parasaur babies sitting in the um, incubator, and they are adorable. Gotta yeah. be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's just static little props there, but you could your imagination fills in the gaps, you know. Yep. Even even just again, just a little have the tail be able to move or just move from one side of the tray to the other or something small mm-hmm. like that. Um, but that's. I think that's going to be one of the big criticisms we get as we move on, just how how much this sort of old park in operation we don't really get a lot of. Mm-hmm. It sort of just flashes here to show show the grandeur of the park. And um, as Ellie said, she even she didn't have uh, enough uh, respect for the power, and it's out now. And that's what we're going to get as the film gets on. We're going to lose that power over the uh, animals. Um, but that's been minute eight, David. Anything else you want to add before we get heavy for the day? No, I think we're good. All right, lovely. 